I actually worked as a banker for about four years in India. I was lucky or unlucky to work during the demonetization phase. This was when the pre- president of uh, no, Prime Minister of India goes up on a Sunday evening and he tells the entire population that they are the highest denom- denominated currency being the thousand rupee notes and the five hundred rupee notes are no longer legal tender. And then every few days there were new rules imposed. Today. uh like say for example the government said today only senior citizens are allowed to exchange their old 1500 rupees and the next day it was only women that are allowed to do it and like and only if you're holding a bank account in a certain bank you can exchange hey everybody this is the high hash rate podcast i'm mike and i'm dan and this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about bitcoin life and the absurdity of the fiat world our guests don't necessarily get high with us and you don't have to either but it helps Yo, welcome to High Hash Rate. Uh, we're here with Merrick. He's a podcast host. He's a, a former CEO, worked for Bitcoin Only Exchange, uh, and he's in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I don't know what the weather's like there, but uh, here in Omaha, Nebraska, it has been like really cool. It's like fall, and like I don't know if you you follow the memes online, but like people in America and the Midwest, we love fall, and it's uh, it's nice and cool, and it reminds me of it's almost October. So we, that's when we see the prices go through the roof, baby. And uh, we're going to start off the episode with price. Uh, uh, <laughs> some good uh, price action. For, we want to talk some yeah, price action. Yeah. Some price predictions for October. And I'm just kidding. We're not that podcast and we're not going And you direction. did not sell that. You, I told you to sell that to me. I told you to sell that opening to me. You did not sell that, that open. Anyway. <sighs> All right. Well, I failed. Anyway. Man, we're here with Mary Camp. What's going on? Yeah, I'm good, guys. Uh, how you guys been? Uh, in Melbourne currently, it's yeah, it's just the beginning of spring, but so still oh, quite nice. cold. Yeah. How is the? Uh, yeah, sorry, you go. How's the like the Bitcoin scene in Australia these days? We haven't. I've really heard much of. You know, it's kind of dominated by Argentina, El Salvador, and these different countries. But I haven't heard much from Australia lately. the scene is quite uh, alive for lack of a better word but cause given for the number of people that are here the uh, I, i guess uh, yeah someone was telling me last week like the per capita the number of bitcoiners in australia seems to be the most there's yeah there's lots going on there's uh, have have you guys heard of the bitcoin bush bash i've heard of that term but i don't know the details okay so it's like a mini sort of conference per se and uh so two guys that started it off uh i think this is during the lockdowns that were happening there's like they, they couldn't meet somewhere so there's like oh we're going to go to this outskirts and they just made a twitter post say oh we're going to meet here and they ended up being like 20 other bitcoiners that showed up and uh, yeah this is like away from the main city and they kept going at it so there's like a bush bash every uh, i think there's three each year so every 4 months in different parts of australia mm-hmm. and yeah it's like a conference but it's uh, there's no there's no entry fee and the only caveat being is that or or it attracts only die hard bitcoiners because it's it's never in a city and uh, you probably have to make a hike so if if like i'll be going to the next one that's coming up in november it's probably a 12 hour drive for me Wow, oh, that uh, sounds like such an interesting little culture piece that Bitcoin has created, huh? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yo, wow. What an inch. That's crazy. I would love to go on one of those. I'd love yeah. to go on one of those. Um, can you, Merrick, can you just give us the skinny about your background a bit and where you're coming from in life just to remind my listeners? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from India. Uh, I lived over 25 years in India. I moved to Australia about five years ago. And uh, so that being, but 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 the strange thing that most people don't like when people think of India, they probably like classify one would be majorly either coming from a Hindu religion or some other Indian sort of religion. But the place that I was born and brought up and like it was, uh, yeah, so the place that I was born and brought up, the suburbs around me was so Roman Catholic dominated, which is very unique for India. And yeah, basically, I've been born up in this uh, isolated pocket in India, which is Roman Catholic dominated. My grandfather was Portuguese, but but very much still part of India. So they still have like yeah, food and culture still influenced by like other Indians. But but I but it only dawned on me when I came here to Australia that that there's there's so many different cultures within India itself. Because then because then it's like uh, I meet different Indians here in Australia from different parts of India. And then I know, oh, okay, you're from that part of India and you guys are so different compared to the yeah. guys from this side of India. Right. Like, yeah, all of that. Yeah. What, what was it like growing? I mean, India is now the most populous country in the world. And yes. what was it like growing up in a small, like isolated part of not only the, you know, the country, but the culture, like, how do you uh, feel about your relations with like the rest of the Indian population? Is it like a, a warm relationship or is it kind of a distant relationship with uh with where you're from uh, yeah i mean I, I think i could best describe india as europe as in each country within europe has its own culture its own yeah. language and then that's similar for india but each state has its own culture its own language its own dressing so and yeah it would all depend on where i am so like I'm comfortable, like I, I grew up in the most populous city, that being Bombay, and then I'd be comfortable around that region. But then as, as, as soon as I start getting away, like I go to like a little further south and then the language is totally different. So then, yeah, right, I feel isolated right. there. I'll go further north. North is, is still capable because the dominant language being Hindi. So that's more towards the north. So that's still, yeah. I think I'd get, yeah, get by. But yeah. Do, do so, you think the 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 language separation between all these regions, does that separate the people? I think more in the past and less now. Yeah. I would say more in the past. Now, I think with Hindi being like a common language, it's, yeah, people feel... And also in major cities, like there's lots of movement. There's people coming in, going out for work and whatever. So, yeah, that's sort of... So uh, because people can communicate, they all took up Hindi, it, it sort of creates those connections between the entire culture as well, I would imagine. Anyway, I didn't yes. want to get in, us off. Yeah, in completely. a way. Yeah, in a way, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is the what is money like in India? Um Good question. you know, they use the rupee, right? Uh is that yes. is is that what everybody uses or is like is there a lot of dollar influence or just dollar denominated or is it pretty separate from the dollar system for the everyday Se Indian uh citizen? Yeah. 
yeah quite separate from the yeah. everyday uh, yeah quite separate from the dollar for the indian citizen i actually worked as a banker for about 4 years in india and uh, i was lucky or unlucky to work during the demonetization phase do, do you, are you guys familiar with that or maybe i could just clarify for the listeners yeah, please do. what please happened do. That. yeah uh, so this was when the pre- president of uh, no prime minister of india goes up on a sunday evening and he tells the entire population that they are the highest denom- denominated currency being the 1000 rupee notes and the 500 mm, rupee notes yes. are no longer legal tender so right, so okay. that, yeah and, so he just basically was, he just says any note that you come in to contact with as 1000 or 500 are no longer are invalid. Legal tender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not only that you come into contact with is the one that you're holding in your pocket as well, right? And 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 this was I can't remember which year it was but back then India was even today uh India is a really cash dominated uh city. I mean it's moving more towards digital. I'll I'll touch on that in a bit. But yeah, so that's what happened there and I was working in the banking sector back uh then and then every few days there were new rules imposed. today uh like say for example the government said today only senior citizens are allowed to exchange their old 1500 rupees and the next day it was only women that are allowed to do it and like and only if you're holding a bank account in a certain bank you can exchange oh, hold on let me notes. they they ration the numbers oh my god like wow Listen, amazing before i forget this let me put a little lecture in here for our listeners and everybody else this is why you got to then consolidate your utxos because if you get into a situation where your little 0.0005 sats is is becomes dust you can't spend it anymore that's kind of the same thing that's going on here except for it's the laws of physics or the laws of numbers mm. uh affecting you in, instead of some state decree but that's what you got to consolidate your utxs yeah. wow good good hit dan yeah. well done uh, so merrick look Dan sent me this this uh okay, text yeah, let, that you wrote let me let me, wrote. Let, Thank let me you. get in let me get into this I, I, wanted, I wanted to introduce yeah okay okay before you get in there I just wanted to highlight in a smoother way I, yeah no yeah, I, yeah, I just wanted to highlight like that I I did mention India was more cash dominated and uh, oh yeah that's last, what I did want to go back yeah, to yeah. yeah so I last year I visited India after four years due to lockdown blah 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 uh and i was shocked because everything was so uh, i mean every there was like small vendors there street vendors everyone is on using gpay or google pay mm-hmm. so everything yeah everything is transitioned towards more digital and india did uh, did a test run on cbdcs as well interesting yeah. what is the i think i think we talked about this on your podcast which we'll uh, get into a little bit later but what uh what is the bitcoin scene like in india as far as you, how is it you know how is it uh received by your banker the banking community and just the average uh like middle class citizen uh, i think as compared to, like similar to most places there's more crypto dominance like in mm-hmm. that's more like people have heard about crypto but there's a there's a good uh, there's a good bunch or there's like few bunch uh, bunch of people that are pushing for bitcoin only uh yeah but it's given the number of people in india it's like a small community i feel like uh india is a is just a huge opportunity because of like the age demographics it's a younger country yes. these people yep. uh 
just use adopting this new technology and kind of bypassing building the old infrastructure that we're operating on in the West that is like getting crumbling and falling apart. And like these places like India and Africa, they can just bypass all that. They can use uh, the yes. you know wireless internet. They don't have to build all the wires. They can use uh, satellite internet uh, with mm. the Starlink, things like that. But they can also use, uh, they can bypass the financial system that cash, this cash heavy community and move into a digital cash. Yep. Hundred percent. But the, there's one. I mean, the government is uh, the government or the Reserve Bank of India is pretty aware of of Bitcoin. And what they've done is that they have a, like a strange law for exchanges that operate there. Uh, the UTXOs have to be purchased. Like the UTXOs sold in India have to originate within India. So mm. I don't know how they keep a track of it, but that's like some strange law that they have in there. And uh, how's how's India doing with energy production? I've seen that they've gotten into the building nuclear facility, like nuclear energy yes. themselves. They get, uh, I think they've been just getting absolutely the best deal of the century buying cheap oil from Russia since last year. Like they they they've had a lot of uh, opportunities and a lot of advantages and yes. doing the right things in energy too. So do you see that improving the lives of the billions of people that live there? Uh, I mean. I would say the Indian government is quite corrupt, so I don't know yeah. if it's going to be yeah improving the life of billions. But but uh, I did see that yeah some authority like yeah I can't remember what was his designation and and there was the interviewer asked him like well, you see like America is number one, China is number two, so who do you think India is going to side? Is India going to side America? Is India going to side China? And his response was quite interesting because what he said is that. We don't need to side A or B. Like we are going to be the C, right? Like we'll be our own. Like yeah, we're going to be our own. We'll be the third uh, power country or whatever that's going to yeah, be rising right. up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're part of the BRICS, right? And like, there's a lot of stuff in the news lately about yes. a BRICS currency. So BRICS that currency. that that's the I in BRICS. So, yeah, what are your thoughts and, on but that? It, India pulled out surprisingly yeah. from that. Uh, yeah, I mean they're part of BRICS, and they said they are going to do this new currency thing and india said no, they don't want to be part of it yeah last i heard at least huh. yeah hmm. what, what direction uh, do you think uh, what do your direction do you think india is going in in terms of uh do you think it's going to be a rising country or uh is it do you think it's going to be taken down no i feel it's yeah it's going to be a rising country there's to, uh, as uh, Dan pointed out, it's a younger population, so that's like a like a, the demographic aspect. And the second thing, something if you guys are familiar with Balaji Srinivasan, the guy that was on Marty Band, yeah. something that he pointed out as as well is like it's other than being a young population, is like uh, the amount of uh, as compared to China or, or some other countries, like the. Uh, the capability of this population or the ability to speak English or to try, like, yeah. So that's another aspect that makes them yeah, competitive in the world. Yeah. How, how would you contrast uh, the way so far your experience in Australia with how they're moving in an economic uh, way versus like India? Do you see the ways that... Um, some of that could help India or vice versa. Could the way India is work, uh, developing could be have some lessons for Australia? Yeah, as I pointed out earlier, is like India. I mean, for me, like personally, I feel like India is a more like has a more corrupt 
way of doing things like this you always have to pay someone to get something done and australia it's more streamlined and more straightforward so that's one but the other thing is like i mean the the australia is like uh, gives all these subsidies out right like if you get like this housing you get housing subsidies and etc but that's what uh props up the housing market and without that yeah. there's like yeah yeah that's that's rampant in the united states and canada as well uh some people you know people think it's bad in the united states and it is like prices are getting high but if you look at like canadian house prices and i'm sure australian especially in sydney it's probably yeah. crazier than the united states mm. but we'll see how long it persists um yeah. i just gonna you did mention ak earlier uh so, so he shared something with me and it's like so there's these cranes that are used for building large uh yeah used for building buildings basically large large uh, construction so they are rented out mainly like from few major corporations okay and they've like over the years the so they were well distributed globally the the cranes itself and currently the there's about four in new york there's about six in london there's about 300 in melbourne there's about 400 in sydney so the amount like yeah so housing the the infrastructure on yeah on the side is like on the rise mm-hmm. but there's no population to support the the things that are being built so what australia does is like a influx of immigrants so that's what keeps the demand clear sure. that makes sense um to shift gears a little bit uh you sent us a something you wrote uh, it's titled uh, Yuga's Pyramids in Bitcoin. And I want to preface before we go into this. Um, one thing that we do, I think some people are annoyed by it. Some people think it's great, is like kind of connecting these ancient themes that we pick out of culture and mythology, and especially Christianity and kind of. Yeah, you know, if people comparing... are annoyed by this, <laughs> if the people are, they're listening to a show where we're getting high and talking about Bitcoin. Yeah. Come on. And like the parallels between those like properties and characteristics and patterns, right? That you, that are kind of parallel to Bitcoin. And yeah. but I think that there's a lot of really good wisdom uh, and perspective in some of the Eastern religions, like Hinduism and Buddhism, that are, from my perspective, they seem to have a, a lower time preference in the way they understand history and the future and just humanity, and. Mm. I think that there's probably a lot of really good stuff in there that we could examine alongside Bitcoin. And you're kind of the perfect guest because as you said, like you kind of grew up in you grew up in India, you you're much closer to that culture, but you also were in that Roman Catholic um uh, part of India. So you could probably translate some of these ideas from the east mm-hmm. to the west pretty well for us. Yes. And we can start by talking about your the piece that you wrote, which was really interesting. Uh and it was from a tweet by um, Prince Agrawal. Fiat yes. is Kali, Kali Yuga. Bitcoin is Kalki. Can you expand on that? And if I pronounce anything wrong, let me know. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as per the Vedas, Vedas being some of the most ancient Hindu texts, I think there's something before the Vedas as well. But yeah, so as per the Vedas, is the the world goes in like four cycles where it starts with the uh, or, or it begins or creation is the kalki cycle and i can't remember on top of my head i should probably have that link open as well but then towards the end it comes down to the kali cycle which is the age of destruction 
Yes. Right. So, so it's the creation, then it's the then the general, and then the age of destruction. But these cycles Revelation. go on. Yes. Yeah, and these cycles go on for like hundreds of thousands of years, and some longer than the other. But but apparently this is constant. So this cycle is always, and it's been said that we are in currently in the Kali cycle in the age of destruction. And it's uh, and as per as per the Vedas, it's uh, supposed to go on for another hundred thousand years. See, it's very so, similar. I read a book recently called "The Fourth Turning," and it's very similar, mm, except for much more condensed, condensed. Uh, cycles, right? But we are, yeah. according to this book, in the fourth turning, which is generally a very destructive. Uh, institutions are um, torn down. New institutions mm. are built, kind of on the new side of the you know that next creation period. But you know, previous fourth turnings include like World War II, uh, and I believe the Civil War. So it's like, like I said, a generally destructive time. Uh, right. And it's one of the things in Christianity, right? Like the from creation to revelation, it's it's like this one story. Mm. And I think, and I think that something that's different that I think is probably more accurate, or not more accurate, but better communicated, is this, you know these cycles that repeat these patterns that repeat uh, the yep. you're talking about thousands of years um, where it's revelation is or this end of destruction period keeps happening over and over again. It's not just one single event and then everything is, you know, right, in existence right. is gone. Right. And another thing is like, Oh, people think, Oh, we are in the age of destruction. So everything should be like, everything around us is destruction per se, but, Within that age itself, the revolution, uh, yeah, revolution needs to start, right? Like that would, that would come into the next age. And some things seem to uh, transcend these cycles of destruction. Um, mm. I, I don't even know. I don't know if you said this explicitly in your article, but you talk about the pyramids, these giant proofs of work um, that aligned in such a way so that they, they weren't just random right they were yeah. lining with the stars to a very accurate degree mm. um and it's something has been built in previous generations on earth right like that are yes in this 4d space and then bitcoin almost it seems like is this indestructible proof of work in the 2d space this digital space where we in the past we've been using giant boulders and things that are just takes so much energy and so much work to create that they're inherent when you see them. Like it's, yeah. it un, it's unmistakable and the yes. same that we're now doing, but we're able to condense it into this 2d world where we can represent the same amount of energy digitally mm. and have the same verifiability, verifiability that we're right. creating in this digital space that we, you know, had in the physical space yeah. prior. Yeah. I mean, it's like these, uh, in the, in in our 3D world, we have these giant blocks that are put together right. to make the pyramids, and now we have blocks again to make the time chain. Yeah, and and another thing that uh, you covered in this was um, the the separation between body and mind, and that some mm -hmm. people thought that the mind was communicating with the body through the pineal gland. Um, yes. and it's I think there's that's a popular debate i guess if you want to call it a debate although it's not necessarily a debate but where mm -hmm. i would i'd like to get your thoughts on that before i share mine actually how do you feel about the mind-body relationship 
Yeah, I, I didn't come across it. Uh, I only came across it fairly recently and I found it quite interesting as the mind and body are two separate sort of, you can see them as two separate sort of entities and they relate to each other through the, through whatever, right? We can say to the penal gland. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but then if you dig deeper and you think about it more, it's like each night we go to sleep and we are, we are in this dreamland. And uh, everything seems sort of real in the dream, right? But our body is inactive, but our mind's completely active there. And that, that goes to point out there's possibly like a disconnect from the mind and body. And right. there could be very, yeah, very much could be two different entities. Like, so like it makes people think about, you know, you have this meat bag, for lack of a better term, your body. And if that's mm. separate from your mind, that's separate from your spirit, as some people call it what happens to that that mind and spirit once your body dies and that's that's an interesting question as well yeah yeah i mean in in hinduism they go to point out it's like uh, not afterlife but your body is uh, like a pair of clothes that you put on and then once you, once you're dead you just get a new pair of clothes or a new mm -hmm. body yeah, yeah. and uh, the cycle I, of rebirth yeah i want to go back a bit well, you said something interesting there. You said uh, the the blocks of physical space in a pyramid, and you compared it to the blocks in digital space of yes. Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think about the uh, connection be now between pyramids and Bitcoin. You you asked this question inside of your piece, didn't you? This yeah, is a yeah, very yeah. interesting question for me. I was like, what is the connection between pyramids and Bitcoin? Yeah, and I. Now I see it perfectly. It's proof of work. Yes. That's yes. the fucking connection. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, other than the proof of work, it's like, okay, so you, Dan pointed out, it's like the uh, aligned to the stars. There's also like, I think Graham Hancock makes a case for different sort of measures. There's uh, between the uh, between earth and the moon, and that's somehow reflected in the design of the pyramid. And all these numbers that are part of these, the design structure itself, right? And then we take a look at uh, Bitcoin and uh, all the numbers that are part of Bitcoin is like, oh, there's like 2106 and you reverse that. It's like 6102. That's when, uh, uh, that, that's, our, I mean, the block size, uh, not, not the block size, but the, what's, what's it exactly? The, 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 of... the hash rate. The hash rate, yeah. Yeah, 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 and then and then the six one or two for, then then the dates itself, uh, there's like More there's lot, yeah, like all these patterns that are uh, part of this whole Bitcoin. Another someone recently pointed out that Satoshi's Satoshi's birthday on the forum, like on the it was uh -huh. something April yeah. 19, 1975, which is also the day that Nixon announced. Uh, yeah. Then, wow. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah. And so, he chose that day as his birthday. Right. He chose um, his birthday as the day Nixon announced the, the leaving of the gold standard? Yes. Wow. Satoshi's birthday. Yeah. And the, uh, that he recorded on the forums. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, I don't remember if it was Graham Hancock who said it or um, uh, somebody else, but it was that not necessarily like the pyramids were the result of. Uh, a previous civilization in time, but like a previous civilization uh, from a different dimension almost. Yes. Right. Mm. And it's, mm. and you talk a little bit about this 
living in these different dimensions and like somebody in a 4D dimension who we don't have the abilities of person, you know, our eyes, our ears, the way that yep. we perceive the physical space around us, we can't comprehend of a fourth dimension, but theoretically it exists. And yes, we could be communicated like the aliens, so to speak, right? They might not be from somewhere else in space. They might be in our space in a different dimension or something. You know, there's a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, implications yeah. there. Uh, yep. but it's it's almost like there is a way to communicate and it's inherent and mm. it has something to do with uh, the blocks or the the work that um, maybe it was left behind or was communicated. And so maybe we're communicating something digitally through our uh, proof of work on the, on the blockchain that we're going to be able to communicate with, I don't know, AI entities, something from right. that digital yes. uh, 2D uh, dimension dimension yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah and yeah i mean i sort of like in that piece itself i just take a dystopian a dystopian take on it is like oh are we sort of heading towards going from 3d beings to 2d beings right right like we, we we are building the technology for that like we're building like you know, tomorrow there's going to be uh, like in the future there's going to be advertisements like why would you want like your regular legs right use these yeah. robotic legs right right i mean you're not going to fail or you're not going to have lower back pain if you're going to switch to this thing oh you get a new pancreas so you can yeah, eat yeah. as much donuts as you want exactly uh, so it, yeah, and, and and it's happening and then the other thing is like with apple's new ski glasses right <laughs> yeah the, oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. and Watching. yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, 10 years ago, we had like, uh, uh, how long was it when we had the iPhone? It was one of the premium. Yeah, products, 2007. Like 2007. So, yeah. So we had like, and it was not, yeah, you at that stage, it was like something that was uh, a niche amount of people were using that, right? But right. today it's like common because the uh, production and like, uh, yeah, the technology just spreads. Similarly, with these glasses, it's going to, like 10 years from now, everyone's going to be wearing them down the street, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and hard it's, to imagine now, but it's going to happen. It's That's yeah. what's going to happen, right? And this, and, uh, oh yeah, this is this is a perfect tie-in back to where I was going with the mind-body um, question. Mm. Uh, and because my critique of that, not that I'm totally against it, those being separate, but that your mental health and your physical health, like you, you can't really separate those two. If you are just really unhealthy physically, it affects your personality. It affects your mind. It affects your mental health. If you grow up without legs, it affects your, your identity, who you become as a person. And it, um, if you, not that they can't be separate, but that they mm. definitely have interactions and they affect each other. So it's, even if you can't completely, I mean, like, like the example of proof of stake with Ethereum, you try to have this entirely digital product that has no tether, has no interaction with the mm. other dimension, with the 3D world. So you, how are you going to use this 2D technology in a 3D world when it can't, it, it's incompatible. It doesn't have that knowledge. It doesn't have not, that tether, right? So you yeah, have... Yeah. If you don't have some tether on connection, if you get too much into this 2D world, right? Like you don't need, oh, yeah, you need yeah, your yeah. goggles and you just live in this virtual world yep. and you get robot knees from Boston Dynamics and you get robot mm. arms and, and robot teeth and whatever. It's like that is 
going to affect you in the meat space like that you're not just going to be able to retreat into the digital world it's going to change part of yep. your identity and make you more reliant on the physical world in a lot of ways um mm. but yeah so it's i just think there's some kind of connection there they could be separate uh in a lot of ways but they affect each other yeah how fast 100%. how fast is that coming that future so fast dude yeah, uh, but imagine this is that okay? There's like as we see it, like oh, if we keep going down this path, like we we are we, we are not the ones that are going to get these robotic knees or these arms or whatever, right? Yeah. Like there's going to be a bunch of us that are saying no, I might. Okay, no, we're not going to. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm just saying, like yeah, uh, yeah, whoever yeah. this we is, like we are not going to get it. Are we going to be left behind as these tribes that are isolated in like right. Amazon or wherever? Like, are we going to be like this isolated pocket? And, and we and, and like there's this one. F- fraction of humanity that's going towards this technology advance and this and this other part is going going backwards right. it's like oh we don't need cars anymore like we, we go back to using a horse yeah and then keep going yeah, yeah. and yeah. well i think that and here's this is just my take but i think that we're at that precipice it's like our generation uh we're at that precipice where our children and our grandchildren are probably going to go and grow up into that crazy futuristic world. And they're going to be the ones that are, it's probably a difficult uh, uh, tightrope to walk between physical reality and digital reality and kind of get sucked into one side or the other. But for their sake, it's probably best that they'll compete better and be stronger if they embrace what's uh, the best technology of their time. But Yep. There's little things that we can instill in them and culture and tradition and things that, so they don't forget what's really important still mm. that they're leaving behind. Like those isolated cultures, they really understand their, the land, they really understand their environment yes. and the importance of the, of the seasons and, and preparing and just like being really reliant on when, th- when things get scarce, they can survive and you yep. don't necessarily have to live that way, but to pass that in mythology and tradition and make sure that those qualities are respected. That's what you can instill or we can instill into yeah. the next generation so that they can go the the new way and remember what got them there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's good rant then. Good <laughs> I try um, to have those. <laughs> do, do you think, do you think we'll be like the boomers? Uh, maybe like a few of years course. down the line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. The, the millennials, future. like, Come on. We're going to be the dorkiest boomers, the dorkiest millennial boomers. We're going to be the worst. I mean, we are the safe space generation, at least in the United States, right? Like we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of people who get really offended if you don't uh, uh, take care of like making sure nobody's offended on any little issue. It's like, Mm. like, this is, you know, this is my, that we were, we were uh, overprotected kids from our parents. So we're Mm. just going to grow up to be annoying as hell. I think as, uh, as, when we take over but you know we're going to take over they still got to deal with us so i think it's for for me it's like it defines us as like we deserve this you know or you know we <laughs> don't need to earn it we deserve but we're this. we're also the pioneers man we're the like the first generation that that got on the internet like when we were that's true too. 10 years old true. 13 years old uh, is that boomers ahead of us they don't even have email addresses that they use yet you know <laughs> some of them um but also yeah Go ahead, Mike. There's something I wanted to bring up uh, relating back to your piece. And mm-hmm. you spoke because it was an interesting question that came to my mind. Um, you spoke about the erasure of 
gods in a way. Like uh, oh, Satoshi yes. will will be forgotten. Or could yeah. be. You said something to this effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be forgotten. Yes. And um, there, it made me think of it. Are you familiar with Tom Robbins? Tom Robbins, no. The author Tom Robbins. He has a book. He's an he's a fiction writer. He has a book, and in the book, uh, there is Pan, the the god, Pan, okay. and uh, he's fading away, and he only has basically a few followers or believers left. So his mm. his god his god powers have been deteriorated, and I'm I'm just thinking about this in this yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, weird yeah. Um, connection between Satoshi and and a god who deteriorates over time that, that uh, I don't know if you were thinking about that or if anything. No, I wasn't, but, but the, the, the thought, like the reason that I put it down is uh, I, Dan, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You practice jujitsu, right? Yeah. I, yes, I have for since yeah, okay. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I came across John Danaher saying something yeah. like everything, everything would fade with time. Like whatever is like someone asked him about his legacy or something. He's like, he doesn't care about it. Cause yeah. With, yeah. With long enough time, everything's going to fade. So, and then that's what actually put me down that part. Like a thought process is like with the long passing of time that people are going to forget Satoshi, but this is interesting because if Bitcoin is like, just becomes like another, uh, just becomes as like we don't think as strongly about plumbing as how but but given its importance in society right like so bitcoin right. could be a thing like it's really important for society but it's not given that value like there's no people yeah. like, rallying like, behind yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 people use the example tcpip and it's the the basis of everything we do i mean it's the mm. internet and but you can't if you did one of those where you're walking down the street and you're interviewing random people on the boardwalk and you say, explain TCPIP, they have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, you know, asking them who is George Washington's secretary of the interior. Uh, it's right. like, I have no idea, but some historian will watch it and be like this fucking idiot. He doesn't know anything. Cause this is so important, but yeah, yeah you're right. Like Bitcoin could be like that. Uh, mm. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say like plumbing, because I, it's, I think of the way that, sats work and the way the data works it's it's streaming it's multiple mm. many many little transactions of data every time you're trying to stream data or stream this conversation or if you're using yeah. the city water you're using uh, a stream of water that you need at the time and then the, you shut it off and you can have so much commerce flowing that way if you are hooked up if your house is hooked up or your structure is hooked up to a pipe or to the internet or to electricity every single megawatt or excuse me kilowatt every single liter of water whatever could be uh, a small transaction done through lightning on demand yep yep yeah yeah I, I remember a friend saying like imagine each time you switch on like switch something on it's like oh we are paying sats like only right. for that period that we have it on right yeah and you'd be much more conservative with your leaving the lights on in the house if you were spending yeah. sats for every second that that light was on yep. um and the other thing about the gods um it made me think of when we read history, history is written by the winners. It's, it's written yes. by the, the people with the most power, the most energy, the most success, the most cultural influence. And, but there were gods and there were personalities and there were cultures that existed in these historical periods that were just dominated. They, they didn't make it into the history books. Their culture did not get saved uh, for whatever reason. Those gods did not get saved in the history books. And it's, if you think about, 
your actions as an individual and what you value and what you represent, it's essentially backed up by what you spend your money on, what you save your money for, how you invest mm-hmm. your money. So if if you're looking to leave your culture, your God, your values uh, for p- people in the future to look back on and see in history, like which ledger are you going to save that those actions yeah. on right like the something that's going to last for thousands of years uh theoretically the the blockchain or some fiat yeah. system that's going to be forgotten 100 years from now nobody's going to remember the the currency the the rupee in india a thousand years from now yep yeah 100% but yeah that cuz i think it's all across the world is like a, some culture or some new culture would come and take over and then the first thing that it tried to do is like destroy the existing culture or um, or in most cases try to do that and i've seen that across ruins in india as well where these old structures have been destroyed like uh, there's old hindu stru- uh, uh, structures associated with hinduism or jainism and then the arabs come and take over and then that the same uh, sort of location is repurposed to be um, from a temple to a mosque and then it, yeah or then then to a church or whatever right but do you think this would that that same sort of thing would be possible in the future on the bit like on the on our time chain like on the bitcoin time chain like is like oh we've recorded this so that it lasts forever but like maybe 500 years from now they have some capability of rewriting or like reinscribing mm. Mm. yeah that's a that's an interesting question um i think that there will be people who chased so much you know for lack of a better term fiat that they don't end up being recorded in the the time chain history and they'll be forgotten forever and i think that there is that uh possibility that somebody could come back and rewrite history so to speak reorganize blocks change change the past and in some ways it kind of ha- like in christianity right like they took the pagan so many pagan traditions and they repurposed them into the christmas story so yes. you've got the you know all, the these gods were they survived in a different form so mm. some kind of value was was observed and was recognized by the future and they're like all right we're going to prepack we're going to repackage this so it's it fits our audience but yep. but the those values are still being passed through time yeah. it just in a more recognizable form by the future uh, observer yeah yeah interesting um did, so- did you that do you, are you aware of like the magic mushrooms and christmas and all of that like i'm familiar with the joe rogan version oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think i think so yeah I or think the brandon quidim version and the brandon quidim version yeah the um oh yeah but his is the reindeer piss yes that's right yeah i don't know if you've heard that one but uh the psychedelic reindeer piss is uh yep. it was a good story i would yeah like rudolph's red nose and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what about uh what is there any special psychedelic um rituals or, or things that are more popular in the east or in australia than you know what we talk about in the united states which is mostly mushrooms acid and maybe like dmt no very similar in india at least from my experience uh yeah because uh, the the hippie culture sort of moved in this from the 60s 70s from the us and they got distributed across i think across the world there's like pockets in thailand there's pockets mm. in india 
yeah. And there's uh, definitely hippies in Thailand. Yes, yes, they have the the full moon festival uh, on some island, and then there's if you guys have heard of Goa, so that became like a yeah. popular, yeah, yeah, like a really popular uh, spot for hippies. So yeah, so yeah, and there's most of the uh, psychedelic parties or raves that go on there. Yeah. Have you been to Bali? Uh, no, I haven't. No, Bali is one go, of the places yeah. I want to go to. I was going to go this yeah. year, but I decided to. I met a girl, so decided to build a relationship maybe but we'll go to bali next year um yeah you should we should uh line it up towards the uh bitcoin uh sort of scene that's happening that like they're gonna have one now coming up in october like a bitcoin event, a conference yeah I have to and, and yeah and it's fairly uh yeah because i was looking at prices it's like 400 dollars 400 us dollars and it's a two-day conference it covers your stay and meals oh wow that's a great yeah. deal. It's just yeah. the it's an expensive plane ticket Flight. over there, but yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. I do want to I do want to um get into your podcast a bit. I want you yes, to, to exactly. talk about your podcast slightly. So or we as were much on, as you wish. <laughs> we we were on his podcast October second of last year. So if you want to check that out, it's episode seventy five, Dan and Mike, high hash rate. Tell us about what you who you've been talking to and what's going on in your dabblings yeah i mean uh there's the reason so what's, what, what's the podcast, podcast first of all okay yeah what's the okay yeah 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 so the podcast itself like the like how it originated was like it was pretty similar to your story but we actually didn't go down the part it was two friends so me and a buddy we used to, we used to get high and get, have all these conversations and he's like oh we should really turn this into a podcast but then we went, I mean, like we went our separate ways in the sense, like he had to move to a different city, but we still kept in touch. And he's like, oh, let's do this podcast. Let's do this podcast. And then I finally got down to getting the equipment that was needed. He's like, oh, let's get a mic. Let's get this camera set up, blah, blah, blah. Because he was, he has more of the audio visual skills. And he was like, and then I finally ended up getting all of that. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Uh, but during that time that we went our different ways, it's like I think he had more of a he had a really deep experience with mushrooms, and like he wanted the to focus the podcast only on spirituality, right? Uh, yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh, man, I was like, I don't want to get boxed in, and I like yeah. I just don't want to do that one thing. I was like, I don't, don't want to be like, that. Yeah. I don't want to be that Indian guy talking about spirituality <laughs> on a podcast. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, now, now that I have the equipment, I'm, I'll just give it a shot. I'll just start talking to, instead of like this one friend, I'll talk to multiple, multiple of my friends and like see where this goes with no real thought and intention behind it. And then, and I just kept building on from that. And I then randomly started like, yeah, I mean, uh, reaching out to different folk, uh, folk on Twitter and, and just, Anyone that I find interesting and given Bitcoin plays such a important or, or takes such a big part of my brain as like uh, leans towards a Bitcoin focus slash Bitcoin adjacent sort of podcast. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah it's, it is actually really similar to what we do. It's just like, all right, we're talking about Bitcoin, but there's some other interesting shit, too, like Carlo exactly. Rovelli. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, Th do you thank, have thank an... you for plugging Carlo Rovelli. I, I told you I had to. Uh, yeah. So, to, what uh, what is uh, 
what part of Bitcoin or like what aspect of the culture is like really on the top of your mind these days? Uh, I would say more of the, yeah, philos philosophical side of things, like more of, yeah, oh, I yeah. was, yeah. I find that more fascinating than because uh, there's there's lots of people talking about like uh, of these charts and the numbers and then there's a lot more on the tech side of things and I don't don't think I'm qualified to speak on the tech side of things, yeah. And the, and this yeah, just relating Bitcoin to all these other aspects of history and society and all is fascinating. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely helping people uh, understand the world a little bit better in this transitionary mm. period that we talked about where it's kind of going into the deeply digital and it's yes. helping people kind of see some of the realities in a repackaged way that kind of fits yep. that audience. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Before we wrap it up, mm -hmm. uh, I do want to get all of your shillings. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> as a, as a, I, as a um, sorry, yeah. Dan. Do you have better questions or or, uh, or no? Yeah, Mary, no, just gonna... Mary, do you have anything? Sorry, I should ask you this. Do you have anything that you wanted to speak about um, on this podcast that we didn't talk about? No, nothing that yes, we covered quite a few uh, yeah range of topics. So nothing that sticks out. I, I think one thing that I'd probably want to uh, like tell the people that are listening is like. You'd start uh, using Nostra more as compared to Twitter. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. What's your, why so? Why so? Uh, given lately, like there's, I, I think Elon is asking for biometrics. Is asking for your job history and and KYC. Oh, there's restrictions on the people that you're allowed to message. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have a blue check or not, but I don't. And because I don't, I'm not allowed to message people that, uh, yeah, that are not following me or I'm not following them, sort of a thing. That oh, that's right. Before, yeah, and. Uh, and also, yeah, and also given uh, that's like a, it goes uh, Twitter or any other social media is there's a like a central authority, right? Like so, there's someone controlling it. But unlike Nostra, where there's like it's open and uh, free for people to uh, join in or opt out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I want to piggyback on that, and I want to say that I kind of understand that, or this is my my perspective that. There are certain mm -hmm. social media networks. There are certain uh, platforms where people are going to, they want to go. They want to be identified. They want to be seen. They want their, they want to build their brand, build their reputation. And they want to use uh, like something like Twitter or X, whatever it's called now to do that. Yeah. And there's a lot of incentives to do that, right? Because that is, you're more likely to make money on TikTok. You're more likely to make money mm. if you build a reputation that ran on Twitter. However, yeah. You like you said, they're taking biometric data. Everything that you share, every DM you send, you just have to keep in the back of your mind. Like this is going to be used against me if it can be at some point in time. They've got all my information. So, yep. If you don't have a, a, an account or whatever you want to call it on Noster, you don't have your NPUB, you don't have your network, you don't have an ability mm. to communicate to the people you want to communicate with, and vice versa. If you don't have that network in a decentralized um, protocol like like Noster, and if you get cut off or you have to cut yourself off from the public domain, 
you don't have an alternative. So you need to kind of nurture both of those. I understand the incentive right. to want to build your, your personal reputation on social media, but don't mm. neglect Noster. If you do, it's yes. at your own risk. 100%. Yeah. And another and another thing that comes from using Noster would be is that you're looking at it as one client. So you're using Damas on, on Apple yeah. or you're using yeah something... But it's but it's a snowball effect, right? Because you it's you could you could migrate that to a different client. So you're so it's imagine imagine you're using Twitter and you have all your followers there, and you now you want to go switch to Instagram, but you can't take your Twitter followers there. But right. you can do that on Nostrum. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and and that's what keeps and that's what would actually keep its growth going really quick as well, because. Because there's people joining through Damas. So there's people joining to a different client. But the more people that are joining, they're joining the same network. Right. And they're joining, yeah. And and there's it is more difficult to figure out. It is a little bit more work and it's a little bit yes. slower and it's a little bit buggier. But it's also open source. It's also much more flexible. If you have mm-hmm. the capabilities and the technical know-how, you can make it better for yourself. You can make it better for other people. And you can also find really creative ways to uh, share, spend, send people sats, stay connected yes. in a way that you can't, that you're gatekept on Twitter and other places. Um, and it's really, yeah. you know, the uh, possibilities that come with Noster and all the extensions that can be built upon it ultimately comes down to what people are willing to build. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just like to add to that is like, yes, I mean, even for me initially, it was like, oh, like Noster seems boring. Right, because we are so used to the algorithm that Twitter has built Drama. around. Uh, yeah, and 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 it's built around your the, the the stuff that you like, right? Like, Twitter wants to keep you hooked per se, right? They want to keep you hooked onto the platform. So, based on the things that you like or the things that you're interacting with, sh- that's your feed. Yeah, but that's not what you'd get on Nostra, because uh, yeah, you just get raw data there. Oh yeah, and it's not um, built around your yeah. It's early. So you're not it's still early. Algorithm. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, there's not like a, a algorithm that's putting up the posts. It's just like whenever just I a... log in. No. So th- there's some sort of algorithm there because because it would just mean what would happen if it was as as and when I log in is like I would only be interacting with Australians or people in the same time zone per se. Right, and right, right. like for you, yeah. So there's some sort of like and different clients are using like they're still experimenting like which is Got the it, best okay. sort of outcome. And they and and it give you the capability of choosing how you want to design that. So that's being built oh, that's out true, as well. True. Okay. Yeah. So you can choose like I want to see only my followers. Oh, I want to see my followers plus their followers or whatever. Got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing I was going to say, I was going to ask you, I see you're wearing a Pacific Bitcoin hat. Are you going to be at ah, Pacific yeah. Bitcoin in uh, October? No, no, I'm not going to be, unfortunately. Oh, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so, yes. Hoping to see you there. Yeah. Someone got me this hat in, uh, yeah, from Miami. Oh, nice. Maybe, maybe you will awesome. be, maybe you will be. Yeah. Cool, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how do you want to, how, how should people contact you or, or, uh, We'll make sure that your article is in the show notes so people can yeah. find that if they want to read that. And, and kind the of name of your over. podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The name of the podcast is just Dabbling Path. I've dropped my first name from it. <laughs> I just left it as Dabbling Path. And uh, probably leave that in the show notes. And best place to reach me, I think, now would be on Nostra. Yeah. 
Milster. I think, yeah. We'll put your end pub in the, uh, in the show notes as well. And also make sure you go listen to the episode, listen to all the episodes, but start with before one, start with episode 75, the high hash rate episode. I think I I was, uh, I was actually okay on that episode. I was like, uh, actually, you did, you did, you were, you were, I mean, usually I'm like all over the place, but I think I did all right on them. Yeah. I think we, yeah, you, you popped in a bit. Uh, yeah towards the yeah middle, that's right you were a bit late the, yeah, that's yeah. right that's yeah. right was, and, and, and and before yeah before that we are speaking about dan's uh military background i think yeah 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 air force yes. uh, yep oh yeah so uh this is a great episode actually i think we have a yeah, lot more to talk about that we it. couldn't fit into an hour so we'll have to like do a, a part two another hundred percent yeah in the future here shortly but hell yeah man thanks yeah. for coming on awesome Thank yeah you, thanks man. for having me yeah, yeah. thanks guys cool Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!